So it is uh, one, one o'clock uh, Eastern time. Uh, welcome everyone to Drisha. And this is the second class uh, in the series on Shemitah, Radical Perspectives on Society, Land and the in Individual with Rabbanit Gila Rosen. We encourage, um, we encourage everyone to turn on uh, your video if you're here with us in Zoom and, uh, and if you're uh, able to do that. Uh, we understand if not, just uh, really like having the feeling that we are uh, together, uh, just like in a traditional classroom. Uh, feel free to ask questions um, here uh, by commenting or by writing in the chat box here on Zoom, or as a comment if you're watching us live on Facebook. Uh, this class, uh, again, this is the second class in the series. It explores the biblical descriptions of Shemitah and other laws regarding tzedakah, pose a challenge to the normal rules that govern the structures and smooth functionings, uh, functioning of our society. Chazal emphasized the critical significance of these ideals and at the same time created practical methods to circumvent the difficulties that they created, amplifying the cognitive, cognitive dissonance already present. And in the class, we will look at passages in Talmud and Midrashic texts text and analyze together where these uh, divergent patterns of thought lead us to. And with that, I'll turn this to Rabbanit Gila. Hi. So thank you very much. Um, I do very much appreciate if uh, people uh, do, if they don't mind, put on, put on their videos. It's just nice to feel like we are uh, talking together. So I'll put it on gallery and I can see you and that's really lovely. So thank you very much, whoever is happy to do so. Um, there we go. Right, and the source sheets, I did add to the source sheets uh, today. And um, I want to kick off by just um, pulling together a couple of things we said last week, and then uh, we'll move on from there. So last week, we, uh, we talked about how their verses about um, Shemitah appear in the Pasha of Mishpatim, they appear mostly in Vayikra in the Pasha of Bahar, and then again in the Pasha of A. And there are three sets of laws. There's the laws about not working the field and leaving the produce to be free for everyone. There are the laws about um, Yovel, the Jubilee year, and there are the laws about loans. The, those are being the laws that apply most if you're living in the United States. And uh, we started by looking at some of the verses about the, lo the laws, uh, about the loans. And in, the law, the, that, in, that, in that law, it says, to watch out lest there be something in your heart that's blia, a word that doesn't appear uh, very often in the Chumash, in fact, only twice. And uh, what is this blia? It might be bliol, something without a yoke, without a sense of responsibility. It might be from the word it should never even have been should it, something unthinkable. It might be from bala to swallow up. And it appears only twice here and in the case of idolatry, people trying to get others to do idolatry even. And um, so on the one hand, the rabbis say, look, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not open to uh, tzedakah, if you close your eyes off to tzedakah, if you ignore the, the needs, then it's like idolatry. And on the other hand, the rabbis go and say, we have Hillel who finds a way to say, well, it's understandable if people say in the sixth year, I can't lend money. I can't do this. Why? Because I'll never get it back. And that's a very understandable impulse. And, and we have to deal with it. And um, I, I, I was asked last week, um, you know, just how could this be? And the truth is that the Gemara itself asks, how could this be? So I, I added a little uh, source there on the second page. On, I've labeled it number three. And this source reads, Can there be something that from the Torah, the Shvi, it said, that's it, it stops. And Hillel decided, no, it doesn't. It cannot be that the Torah says, your loan is abrogated. And Hillel can come and say, no, you can take it back. Or can it be that you can't walk, he can say you can't. How could that be? 
How could he make it possible? How could he make it possible that the, according to the Torah, you're not allowed to do something and you're, he allows you to? And among the answers, um, one answer I mentioned at the time was that the rabbis felt that they had more authority on if it was financial monetary. I apologize, I forgot to turn off my phone one second. There are many advantages to Zoom, but one of the disadvantages is that you could forget to turn your phones off. So I apologize. Um, one of the answers was that the authority that the rabbis felt that they had when it came to financial questions was greater than the authority that they felt they had when it comes, let's say, to can't move Shabbos to tomorrow. And, um, and then there was a disturbance. Somebody wrote to me, but this is a problem because here the values, we're supposed to hold on to these values. And what I, what I think they, Hillel felt he was doing is that he felt that by making a change, he was more holding on to the value. In other words, you can't say with Shabbat, well, I know what the value of Shabbat, so I'll move it to another day, I'll change it. But when it comes to something like giving tzedakah, you can look at it and say, I think if we do it slightly differently, the value will be more upheld. So here, in, so that was one answer, that in actual fact, you're going for the value as against for the way you're getting to that value. Now, in actual fact, what was the value? Is the value that poor people will have enough to eat? And that's why we're not taking our loan back because we want to let the poor person who couldn't manage to prepay it, to keep it. Is that the value, a practical value? Or is the value that I am changed, the one who can give is changed, that they say, I understand that I have to let go. And I think here, what you might say is that Hillel was willing to compromise a little on the value for the, the not letting go in order to make sure that the poor person, that he saw that nobody was lending. And that given the, the practical value versus the slower internal value, which will have a lot of practical and the, effects later, but right now isn't working, he went for the immediate practical value that the Torah wanted. I think that's what's happening here. The Torah doesn't want you to ever get to this place of Beliyah. He sees that people are getting there. He says, all right, don't touch that whole issue. You can't handle it at the moment. Let's make sure in the meantime that people are being fed and let's see where we can get to. So that's one approach. Now there's another approach, which is source number three, which is the continuation, which goes on. Ama Abayi Bey, after the question mark, Abayi said, This is talking about the seventh year, the sabbatical year, in our, like in the Bracha and Hanukkah, in this time. But which time does he mean? He means even Hillel's time. And what is that? And it's Rabbi's opinion, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the, the editor of the Mishnah, who held that the Shemitah year and the Jubilee year are only biblically mandated at a certain time in this first temple period where everybody's living in, the, in their inheritance. Once there's no Jubilee year from the Torah anymore, says uh, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, there's no Shemitah either. Even Shemitah of our loans is no longer mandated by the Torah. Therefore, what happened? The rabbi said, we can live without Jubilee year, but we can't live without Shemitah. And therefore, we're going to mandate Shemitah. But really, as Shabbat nowadays is still Minah Torah, but Shemitah is only rabbinic. And that's why today we can do things like selling the land of Israel and all those kinds of things, because it's actually rabbinic. Okay, so along comes uh, um, the rabbis say, okay, Judaism shouldn't be without Shemitah. So there's going to be Shemitah, even though from the Torah you don't have to do Shemitah nowadays. Then along comes Hillel and Zeez. There's as a result of this rabbinic enactment that we shouldn't forget Shemitah, what's happening? The sum total is that the poor people are having to give back their, they're not getting loans at all. Because people are not allowed to take back their loans, they're not getting loans at all. So along comes Hillel and says, let's do Prozbo. 
let's make it possible for people to get their loans back. Because anyway, it was only rabbinic nowadays. Okay, that was rather convoluted, but that's the first source three. So three is the sabbatical year today, according to Abaye, the sabbatical year is really, he follows Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi's opinion, which was that the sabbatical year is not biblical anymore, and even wasn't biblical at the end of the second temple period. And so the rabbis had just instituted, and when Hillel saw it wasn't working, he said, well, what's the point of a rabbinic enactment that's doing the opposite of what the Torah wanted? Let's at least get people to lend money. Nevertheless, this all makes sense, but it makes sense on a practical level, not an aspirational level. The Torah was trying to get a certain value across, and it's getting only partly across. Yes, we're lending money, we're caring about poor people, but we're not really letting go. There's not really the word shamot, to really let go. We're not really quite letting go. And I think Chazal allowed for the fact that sometimes we live on those two levels. We don't quite live on the level all the time where we'd like to be, and maybe we can't. And that we still have to have, we have to have dreams. We have to dream. We can't always be at that space, but we have to dream. Um, and society has to have goals. It has to understand that maybe it's not quite where it could be. And it should never remain static. And I think the place where they actually put this most pithily into reality is actually in Pekelvo. Pekelvot is full of all these very, very short little lines. And you've almost missed it before you've even, the process of saying you've almost missed it. So if you look at source four, that's from Pekelvot, Ethics of the Fathers. Arba midot ba'adam. There are four midot, character types, ways of being, ways of behavior, ba'adam. Human beings have, Four types of characters. This is along with a whole lot of things about different ways of being. So it's not the only suggestion that they make. But here's one about one's self, sense of self among others. Ha'omer sheli sheli v'shelcha shelcha. Ha'omer sheli shelcha v'shelcha sheli. And there's one who says sheli shelcha v'shelcha shelcha. And one who says sheli sheli v'shelcha sheli. Now I want to start at the end. Okay, because it gets more and more interesting if you go backwards. The last one is Sheli, Sheli, Vishelcha, Sheli. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is also mine. Now, nobody actually walks around saying that, but some people behave as if that's true, right? They don't, you know, it's all out for the getting, and I don't really care about the other, right? And that's, says the, says it says, that's a Russia. That's, that's, it's really wrong. It's really evil to, to, to when you look at others and they're all just ciphers for you. They aren't really people and what's theirs is yours. Okay. I'm going backwards to the third one. What is mine is yours and what is yours is yours. That's somebody who has a higher uh, standard for himself than he has for others. And I, I actually have met some human beings like that. Here, the English says pious, the Hebrew says chassid. Now, different periods in history, there were people who were called chassidim. Uh, in the time of Chazal, and this is the time of the mission here, this is Pekea Vot, uh, the chassid was somebody who tended to be especially good about care in, for others. Yes, he was very, and you can see that here, a person, so pious is not the best translation. I, I, I took it off Safari and I only in a few places corrected it, but, uh, or changed it to what I thought. I've left it here, but pious isn't perfect in my opinion, because uh, that they could have put Sadiq for pious. Uh, chassid was especially given as in the word chesed, somebody who does chesed, okay? Maybe some form of communism. Mine is yours and yours is mine. Chaos, anarchy, we don't really have, uh, we don't really want boundaries. It sounds great, but not for too long. Um, 
They say that's an am ha'aretz. It's an unlearned person. It's somebody who really hasn't thought through how society can really work. Okay, you have a commune, it works for a few individuals, it doesn't usually work very long term, it certainly doesn't work for all of society to build it that way, Chazal didn't think so. But the most interesting is the first one. So if we don't want communism in number two, well, we've got capitalism. Mine is mine, and yours is yours. Now here it gets really interesting. Because the first answer is zo mida benonit. What's a mida benonit? Um, the English there was this is a commonplace type. I added something else, middle road, middle of the road. Right? It's the middle road. Benonit means in the middle. Benoni, in the middle, between things. So it's it's a sort of average kind of way of looking at things. Commonplace, average middle of the road, right? You're not saying yours is mine and mine is mine and yours is mine. You're not either saying yours is yours and mine is yours. You're sort of in between and saying, well, mine is mine and yours is yours. I worked hard, I earned a living and it's mine. If I decide, I'll give a little stucker. If I don't decide to, I won't give a little stucker, right? Vyeshamrim, and, and it's fine, it's capitalism, yes, and, and you feel uh, very good. But then look what the second part says. And there are those who say, that is the characteristic of stone. Now, it's really quite shocking. It's like our word, suddenly we have something and we say, well, from one point of view, really, it's, it's fine, it's okay, it's the middle way, it's the average person. You know, I worked hard. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. End of story. It's okay. And the other, there are those who say, no, 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 that is Sodom. Now, if you read the story of Sodom, what's going on in Sodom? What happens? It's really terrible. They're willing to attack people. The English word sodomy, yes, is a particular kind of behavior. But in Judaism, Midat Sdom is not about that. It's not about sexual license and it's not about this wildness. It's about not helping another human being when it's no skin off your back. That's what it's about. Zo Midat Sdom. When you say, this is mine, that's yours, I, I could help, but I'm not going to be bothered. Why? Because I don't have to. It's mine. Even when it wouldn't matter to you, it wouldn't do any harm. You can afford it. it doesn't disturb you. Maybe it wouldn't even take anything from you. Like sometimes uh, in the buildings here, somebody wants, somebody's the only person who can manage to get to the roof. That's the way the building is built. And so he says, I'd like to a little bit put something on the roof. And the other people say, no, I don't want you to. Why? Because they don't have a roof. That's me, that's dumb, because you wouldn't lose out if they would use it. And, and at the same time, um, you're not letting them because you don't have it. Right? So, um, I think this is another case where the rabbis are saying, on the one hand, this is the average way of behavior. On the other hand, we are a culture that has Shemitah. We are a culture that says, well, actually, no, the land isn't really yours. It's really God's. Or, it, it, it's, or things aren't so much just in boundaries that they're yours. That's not what it's like. So on the one hand, we're saying, yes, that's okay. That's a normal way of looking at a life. And much of the time we need to function in that way. You know, if, if I go downstairs, I want to find my coat hanging on the rack. And if I go to work and I hang my coat, I want my coat to be there when I want to go home. And I want the other person to respect that that was my coat and I won't take their coat. And we're going to function like that most of the time. And that's the whole Pasha of Mishpatit. But at the same time, in comes Shemitah and says, well, actually, no. Actually, one year out of seven it's not your land and everybody can go walking in on your land and take stuff, right? Um, there's that flow. And in connection with that, um, I want to look at um, the next uh, source, which is about flow. And that's in the, I want to move to part two, which is about more about God in the picture. Till now, 
we really haven't thought so much about God in the picture. Um, we did say it was like idolatry to to not to not give to tzedakah, but but we were thinking more in terms of between myself and the next. And here I want to start expanding that. And the next two pieces are not directly about Shemitah, but they are about lending. I'm going to ask you for your indulgence for a moment. Take a look at the piece because the phone is still making a racket. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, so if we go now to source number five at the beginning of part two, this um, midrash appears twice that I found. Once in Leviticus Rabbah by Yikra Rabbah, which is a very early midrash from not long after the Mishnah, maybe three, 400 CE. And then from in Exodus Rabbah, which is a much, much later collection. And you can see that the Source six is a sort of opening up of source five, a sort of broadening of it. And in source five, there's a verse from Psalms that's quoted, Yom li yom yabiya yechavedad. One day speaks to the next, expresses to the next day. And they start talking about what does this mean that a day expresses to the next day and the night to the next? What is it talking about? And it's talking about something that we're very aware of now with changing the clock and all, which is that there's this uh, uh, autumnal in, uh, vernal equinox and there's the vernal equinox. There's times when the day and night are equal. And then what happens like now as we're going into winter, the night gets longer and longer and the day gets shorter and shorter. And the Midrash sees this as from then onwards, the day borrows from the night and the night from the day. In other words, as we get to, to into winter, the night is borrowing from the day. The night gets longer and longer and borrows from the day. And after in the spring, into the summer, the day will borrow back from the night, right? It's looking at nature um, as, as being in a flow. The day borrows from the day, night, the night borrows from the day, and they do it amicably. And uh, the verse there goes on to say, you can't hear their voices. They're not arguing. They're not fighting about it. It just flows. The day gets longer, then the day gets shorter, and one is borrowing from the next. One is lending to the next, and they repay each other amicably. Yes, in the summer, it switches back, and then it goes back to the winter. Everything being done without legal document or judicial verdict. Here below, however, what a multitude of legal documents and what a multitude of judicial verdicts are required. And there's the verse there, then line goes out throughout to all the earth. And it's all over in the earth, it's such a big deal. We have to write up so many pages every time somebody borrows a lens to someone else. And that's, we can't let go and just be part of the flow of nature. And we have to keep on cutting boundaries and then making lots of documents about the boundaries we cut and arguing about the boundaries we cut. We can't just be a part of the organic world. That's um, as it comes in. In other words, borrowing and lending are being seen here as natural processes that are part of nature. And if you think of a lot of aspects of nature, a lot of, a lot of, um, plants and then they go back into the earth things go back and flow into each other and if you borrow and don't require that then you are really a part of nature and if not you're what they used to say call a luftmensch you're in the sky you don't belong anyplace if you if you can't do this then you as a human being aren't fitting in with the world now shmotaba exodus Baba is a later work and you can see that they've expanded it here. And here they've got Hayom Lovem in Halila, Vahalila min Hayom. Day borrows from night and night from day. And they don't start arguing one with the other like the creatures, like mortals do. They don't go to law 
mortals do. The moon borrows from the light from the stars and the stars from the moon, right? Sometimes the moon is full and you hardly see little stars and sometimes the moon is very, you can hardly see the moon. Light borrows from the sun and sun from light. I'm not sure what they meant. Maybe as the sun comes up in the morning. And then they go on with all sorts of other ideas. Wisdom borrows from understanding and understanding borrows from wisdom. The heaven borrows from earth and earth borrows from heaven. There, they're probably talking about dew rising and then coming down as rain. Chesed lovemenat staka and staka borrows from chesed. Torah borrows from mitzvot and mitzvot borrow from Torah. Sometimes we're more studying about it. Sometimes we're more doing it. We could spend the, the, just the hour on all these different things. How is it, what do they mean by wisdom borrowing from understanding? Sometimes we need to, we pack in more knowledge and other times we then have to let go deeply and think about what we've been studying. Sometimes, you know, it's all about more and more facts and sometimes it's gotta be, we let go of the facts and think about them. So there's a flow between when you, you give tzedakah, tzedakah may mean here righteousness versus chesed, which is more the sense of Rachamim, there's more when, times when you do more justice and times where you go more for saying, no, 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 don't let's not be just here. Let's, let's just give a sense of mercy, of loving kindness. And then they go on to all these things are the creations of God. Not only heaven and earth. Wisdom is a creation of God. Loving kindness, all these things which are created through God, they borrow from each other. They melt into each other. They meld with each other. They give to each other. And one is greater because it has from the other. Mitzvot are greater because we've learned about them. And the learning is, is enhanced because we've been doing something with it. Yes? These things enhance each other all the time. And they make peace without talking about it. Ah, but basava da mortal. That one bar, the minute one borrows from the other one, the other one tries to swallow a nap. They can't cope with the flow of it. They can't cope with the idea that you've just enhanced the other and at some time something else will enhance you and that they, they need to gobble up the other one if the other one owes. They can't, they have to then swallow it back. They can't let it go. Um, and uh, I think what they're doing here is they're not looking only at human society, but they're saying to human beings, um, something we do more nowadays in the 21st century, can you be part of the world? Can you be part of, this is a vision of nature, which includes the natural world and it all includes theoretical concepts. And it's saying that's the world out there. Can you really be part of it? And in order to be part of it, you have to think about things, not in terms of swallowing each other up, but in terms of enhancing and flowing into each other. So it's a piece that I find very, very interesting. And I also find interesting the development from the earlier piece, which is in Vayikra Rabbah, Leviticus Rabbah, and the later piece in Exodus Rabbah. You can see here what's happened here in terms of its sort of opening up into more spheres. Now, um, having started to let go of it, let go of, of our just personal interactions and let go into a broader sphere, I want to come back to some of the verses. Um, now, I mentioned before that the word Shemitah appears in Exodus, in Parshat Mishpatim, and in the verses that we looked at last week about borrowing, but it doesn't appear in Vayikra in Parshat Bahar. Now, Vayikra is a different kind of book. Leviticus is a book about holiness. It's got things like love your neighbor as yourself in it. Um, it's got things like don't stand by when another's in trouble. It's not only about, you know, is it my, is it my wall or your wall? Is it my dog or your dog? It's about um, the holiness in many spheres, including in human relationships. And most of um, the laws of Shemitah are indeed in Pashat Bahar. And the Pasha begins with, God told this at Har Sinai. Even though this is about land, it was already from Mount Sinai. 
In other words, it's it's like the Ten Commandments. It's got to be a part of Judaism, even if only sometimes on the aspirational level. And here the word is not shamot, this letting go. It's Shabbat, it's Shvi'it, it's Lekadesh, to sanctify. It's a different vocabulary in uh, Pashat Bahar, even when it's talking about some of the same laws, but the vocabulary is different in, in the way we're thinking about it. And at the end of the piece, uh, which talks about both not working the land in the seventh year and allowing poor people to partake of it equally, and about people returning to their homes, there's verse 23, chapter 25 of Vayikra, verse 23. And it's source number seven. And the land will not be sold forever. The English here has, I think, in perpetuity. Um, this is God saying, because the land is mine. For you are sojourners and settlers with me. Okay, so the land should not be sold. Um, if you can't sell something, it's not really yours, right? Uh, land shouldn't be sold because it's God. Now, uh, here, I want to look at the Sifra on this. The Sifra is an early Midrash on the book of Leviticus. And here it says, what does it mean, Litzmitut? L'choltonu, totally. God says it's fine, and therefore don't feel bad about the fact that you can't sell it. If you can't sell something or give it away, it wasn't really yours. If, 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 if something's really yours, you can also dispose of it. If you can live on it, but you can't sell it because it'll come back to you, that still means it's not really in a kind of way yours, even though you're on it, because it's not yours to give away. And it's certainly not belonging to the person who bought it temporarily. This is source number seven, second line. Don't make yourselves as if you're the, you're the main point. You're the main aspect of the land. For we are, this is David speaking in Chronicles, and it's a piece, actually, it's a continuation of a piece that we say in the mornings. It's a piece we say in, in the morning, just before Yishtabach. And it goes on and it says, And who am I? And who am my nation? To, to create, it's to give money to create the Beit Hamikdash. Ki gerima nachlu lefanecha, for we are sojourners before you, v'toshavim kochal avoteinu, and settlers like all our fathers. Katzel yamenu ala aretz. Our our days on the land are like shade. Vein mikvevis no. So we we just pass through. We think of ourselves. As, as this is my land. Yes, I'm here. I'm very much here and this is my land. But actually, no, the land is God. And we were like a, a shadow passing over the land. A shadow is certainly something which is very temporary, very, very moves along. Yes, it has, it almost doesn't have a total reality. So King David is saying, we just a shadow passing over the land. We think of it as we're really here and the land is ours. No, no, no. There's land, it's God's, and we're a shadow passing over it. And he even says about himself, and I put here uh, the translation as well as some bits of a commentary by Rabbi Kasher. Uh, Rabbi Kasher composed 
a book called the Torah Shlema, where he brings samples of all the Midrashim on every verse, as far as he got. I think he died somewhere in the book of Bamidbar, and his children uh, pulled together what they could from Bamidbar, so there's no Devarim, but it's a magnificent work with notes. And I put in a couple of things of, translated into sort of loose English what, what he was saying. Because here what's happening is, I think, that Shemitah is getting connected both to Shabbat, which is a, a cycle of a week, and to a longer cycle of history. Shemitah is every seven years. It's been connected very much to six years you shall work, like six days you shall work, to Shabbat on the one side and to the holiness of Shabbat. But it's also been connected to, to history. The Jewish people come into Israel and they feel like this is really my land, especially after many generations. You feel this is really mine. I'm here and the land is secondary to me. That's our perception. Along comes the Torah here and says, no, no, no. The land is God's and you're here with it. And not only that, but you're here with it as long as you're with God, when you do what God asks, tells you to do. So Shemitah here is now a reflection of the whole concept of how we feel about the land. You are sojourning here with me, says God. Says the Sifra, the very last line of source seven in the Hebrew, sufficient for the servant to emulate his master, to be like his master. And then we have a number of versions in the Hebrew. One version is, when you will be mine, when you keep my mitzvot, when you keep Shemitah, then the land will be yours. But another version is, when the land is mine, says God, then it's also yours. When, God, when the God's presence is here because we are behaving well, like in the book of Bamidbar, it says, if you murder, then God's presence can't be there. So when God's presence is in the land and it's God's and we're very aware, we have a sense of God's here, then it's yours. And when it, as if isn't God's, when there isn't a sense of God there, it's no longer yours either. And then of course we get exiled. And then it says in, in, in the next chapter, in the next Kitavo, uh, that then the land grabs back, takes back its Shemitot that we didn't keep. The wild the land goes wild. The wildness comes back in and takes back that which we didn't give it. Uh, that recognition, that being its own self. The land takes over something that to a certain extent people felt they were experiencing uh, during uh, Corona, I know that one day in the newspaper there was a picture of wild boar from the hills of the Galilee walking around in the middle of Haifa. And I think you might have had the same phenomenon. You know, it's the wild comes back and takes, rolls back into our area where we had pushed them out because we hadn't made uh, a space for it. So if you, every seven years, stop working the land and, 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 so it's not only about you and you, the other person in, in not taking the loans back, but it's also about you and the land and you have a sense of God and a sense of resting and you allow the land to come back in and nature to sort of come back, roll back in. Again, with the sense of rolling in and rolling out, then the, God, the land has it. But if you don't do so, so it says in the next, in, in the Tochacha, in the Kitabo, in the next verses, then the land will come back and take back what it couldn't have, that wildness that it couldn't have. It, it needs to be able to take it back. Um, so we've, we've broadened it from the sense of the individual and, and the other person he's lending to or he's not lending to, to a sense of the land as being God's and our space on this land because we're close to God. And if we have a sense of God, then we can be on the land. And if we don't make space, so to say, for the land itself, for, for the wildness of nature, for the flexibility and the melting and the organic aspect of nature, and for the sense that nature is God's, it's all a creation of God. If we don't do that, the nature will eventually take its revenge. Um, as the verses 
say later in the book of Vayikra. And um, I think this is something people have become more and more aware of now. Yes, with what's going on with the, with the climate uh, uh, conferences in, in, in Glasgow, the whole question of how long can the human being push and push and push the barriers and expect that it's okay it will just and before we self-destruct. So here is um, Shemitah talking about that need to, to make space, not only for the other person, but for the world itself, for, for nature, for, the, for a sense of God uh, to permeate. And if the sense of God permeates and, and not the sense only of human control, then says God, then it's yours as well because you're here with me. But if you don't give a sense for the presence of God to permeate, then it's nobody's. It's no longer yours either because it'll just take over. Now, in the, in the case of Shemitah, the focus is on the land of Israel as having this Kedushah, this special Kedushah. Although the law about loans applies anywhere in the world, the law about land applies particularly in Eretz Israel. But I want to bring a, a, a piece from Brachot where it's not only about the land of Israel, but it's about um, the earth in general. This concept of it's being God's and it can be yours when you first let it be God's. If you can let it first be God's, then it can become yours as well because you can be there with God. But if you can't let it be God's, it can't be yours at all. So here's um, source number eight. And this one is not, Whereas in the Chumash here, we were talking particularly about Eretz Yisrael having that aspect. Here, it's about the world and the earth, at least. Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis taught. Asur lo adam min ha'olam hazeh below bracha. It is forbidden for the human being to derive benefits or pleasure it's, it's literally its benefit from the world without, from this world, without a bracha. Now, this is on a page where they're talking about, the Mishnah says, when you eat this, you should make this bracha. And when you eat that, you should make that bracha, etc. And then the Gemara says, well, what's the source of making a bracha before you, you eat? Making a birkata mazon, after you eat, we know the source. It says so in the Chumash. And we quote it when we sing Birkat Amazon. However, what about a bracha before? And the Gemara tries to prove that you can find some sort of source in the Chumash for a bracha before. And in the end, it gives up. And it says, no, there isn't a source, an explicit biblical source for making a bracha. It's just obvious. And goes on to say, you can't, you're not allowed to derive benefit, pleasure from the world, derive before you've made a bracha. And anyone who derives benefit from the world below bracha without reciting a blessing, it is as if. Ma'al, in Hebrew, one word, ma'al, which is ma'al, me'ilah, is when you use something that is kadosh, that is holy, for your own purposes. Right? So, for instance, uh, you, 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 so, something's a you said this sheep will be a sacrifice, and then you take the sheep and instead have it for Thanksgiving. Do I know? Better for turkey. Yes? You, you take it and use it for your own personal use instead. Or you have something very beautiful, and you say, I'll take this Beit HaMikdash, I want this to be for the Beit HaMikdash, and then instead you decide, you know, that was a beautiful cloth, I'll use it at home instead. That is me'ilah. That is taking something consecrated and using it for a normal use, a mundane use. So here the suggestion, later there's another suggestion in the Gemara that it's theft. But here the situation is not, it's not calling theft, it's calling it, saying these things are, they're concentrated, it's God's world. The God's world, everything out there is God's world. And in order to be able to use it, what do you have to do? You have to make a bracha. What does the bracha do? The bracha is what they call in ritual theory a speech act. 
Yes, they call it an anthropology. It's a speech act or in linguistics. It's a speech act. It's not, it's, you're just talking, but you're actually performing an act by speaking, which is that you're changing the status of that thing. So when you say, on an apple, Beret prehates, then you're saying, I'm acknowledging that God made this apple and that there's, it's still God's until I make this bracha and I can't make, make use of it. And once you've acknowledged that, that's when you can eat the apple. And that's why also you don't make another bracha 10 times because the bracha is a speech act. It's not a regular prayer. It's actually an act. Like I crown you Queen Elizabeth, yes? Or uh, the name of the ship will be. Amar Rav Yehuda Amar if you anyone who derives benefit from this world without a bracha, it's as if they are um, enjoying objects which are consecrated to the heavens, holy things for the heavens. The world is all God. The whole, the earth and all that's within it, all that fills it is God. And then Rabbi Levi, Rabbi, Rabbi Levi says, wait a minute, I got two verses. I've got that verse, La Shem But we have another verse that we know very well from Halel. And how does that one go? Hashemayim, Shemayim, La Hashem. The heavens, they're gods, but the earth, no, no, no. Ha'aretz Natan, Vnei Adam. Right? So we were again like in Pirkei Avot, you know, which one is it? Yes? Um, and we come back with this ability to somehow take this radical idea that it's really all God's and live with it somehow. Lo kasha, it's not a problem. Kan kodem lebracha, kan la'acha bracha. So earth is all God's before we make a blessing, recite a blessing. The verse, the earth and all within it is God's. That's before you make a bracha. Before you make a bracha, it really is all God's. And a bracha is not some small little aspect. A bracha is transformative. It's a moment, it's a liminal moment when you make a bracha. Come before you make a bracha. And then once you've made a bracha, he's given the land to us. Again, if I can be with God, then it can be mine. But the bracha is the transformation. And that's why Chazal were very careful about brachot. If you want to make up a prayer, any prayer, you can make up whatever prayer you want and use God's name. But you're not supposed to make an extra bracha. You make the bracha you're supposed to make and not another one because it's not just a prayer, it's a speech act, it's an action. And you've already transformed that apple. You acknowledged it was something which was part of the Beit HaMikdash, the holiness. Now it's something that I can eat. And you've done that, you've transformed that, and that's your act. So what we see here is this idea which was transactional between people in terms of being letting go, that letting go is here, not only a letting go, shamot, but also a sense of shavat, like on the sixth day we stop and we are aware of God. Yes, it's not only a letting go of between me and my neighbor, but it's also an, uh, an, a stop it, a seizing, which allows for an awareness of God. It's a making space. It's the old Kotzk idea. Where can God be found? Wherever you let him in. Yes. That there isn't uh, um, it's, it's, it's well, it fits with um, also with this week's Pasha where it talks all the time about Yitzchak getting to, Yaakov getting to the makom, to the place, the place, the place. And, and the rabbis say in Bereshit Rabbah that I didn't think of bringing it as one of the sources, but you can look very easily at the beginning of Breshit Rabbah, at the beginning of the Pasha, and they say, 
what what does it mean that all the time in Makom? They call we call God the Makom, the place, because he is the place of his world, and the world is not his place. We as physical beings are in a place, but God is the one who is the place of the world. And that's not just spatial or in terms of the fact that God's eternal and the world is not eternal, so that he's bigger, so to say. But it's more in the sense, I think, of the psychological ideas about containment. He's able to contain. It's not just whether he's bigger, so to say, he has all the ideas, but that he can contain our emotions, our questions, our minds, that God is they're containing. And if we can be aware of that, then we can have a space imadi with him and have a space on the land. But it's not, we're the main thing walking around and the land underneath it is ours. It's very much the land is part of something which the air as well is part of God's world. And we are walking around in it and get a space in it by being with God in it. Um, in some ways through, for instance, a bracha. And this idea applies in all kinds of ways, in the most surprising ways. Like if you, if you uh, uh, consecrated a bird which you were going to bring to the temple and the bird flew away, right? is, the, is the bird still part of the temple? Is it still consecrated? Do we say, well, <laughs> it flew away. I better bring another one. And the answer is no, no, no. As long as it's in the world, the Gaza de Rahmana is in God's treasure. It still belongs to God. You don't have to. It's very, very interesting. I mean, really, to say it's true the bird flew away, but it's still, God still got it, even though it's not at the temple. Right? So it gets applied in all kinds of areas of halacha, this idea that um, you have to make a flip in your mind. It's not you who are walking around, and there's also the earth and all those kind of things, but it's God's world and you inside it, or God's earth. And uh, Shemitah takes it on Dafka Eretz Yisrael, but Chazal broaden it, um, as you can see, to a general, to a general sense of both land and space. So that's where I wanted to get to today. I don't know if anybody has a, something they want to say, or I see there's some things in the chat. I don't know if any of them are um, no, it's all about the handouts. It's not um, not any question. I don't see a message here. Um, Ruth, did you have anything you would like to um, yeah. so, share? So after this presentation, Shemitah should apply it, it outside of Eretz Yisrael as well as inside of Eretz Yisrael and for all time. Because Hashem Ha'aretz is that's that's reality that's the truth right and it's the whole world so shemitah shouldn't just be something that's limited to oh because we're each of us are on our nachala which is also a, a fiction too <laughs> so and i so i would like to see, hear somebody address that because that's what it seems to me I mean, it's very interesting it's, it's very interesting what you're saying and i think i think it's almost too hard and I think what's so interesting is that originally Shabbat itself was radical. Shabbat and Shemitah come into the world around the same time. Yes, maybe Shabbat a little bit earlier. But Shabbat is a Jewish chiddush. Um, yes, it was something new that came in. And we could see even in the Roman period, which is a long time after the Chumash, they're still saying, what is this ridiculous Shabbat? that people should not work for an entire day out of seven? That's absurd. And we see Romans both making fun of it and complimenting it, but it's really way out. So to, to us, the idea of human beings resting it and, 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 and that somebody, especially with manual labor, needs a day of rest, we understand it's not perfect all over the world today either. And there are a lot of people walking around with no days, days off, a lot in the world today, especially with migrant labor and all kinds of things like that. But uh, in theory, Shabbat, which is also totally radical, somehow made it. And Shemitah was never given to be completely all over, maybe because it's just asking for one level that's 
harder? I don't know. I, you know, Shabbat became worldwide or widely disseminated because of, because the Christians spread, they spread it. They took on, they have the, their Sabbath. And, and they, Islam, both. And Islam as well. Right. And I, I, you know, sometimes there's a part of me that is blaming the rabbis for playing down Shemitah and dumbing it down. They could <laughs> have stood their ground and said, no, this is something that's really important. And just like Shabbat is important, we don't, it's not, oh, so we don't live in Eretz Israel, so we don't keep Shabbat anymore. It's, it's the same idea, but somehow or other, they, I don't know, they thought, oh, it's going to be too hard. Oh, you know, stuff that. This is something that is, this is fundamental. This idea of the land is not ours, and we are the stewards of that land. This is the, this is the basis of the conservation movement. I was taught this long ago, Aldo Leopold. This was his whole mahala, that this is how we should approach the land. And even farmers who, well, they were, they're Christian farmers, the idea of leaving the land fallow, that you yeah. have to let the land rest, it's just, it's biological, ecological sense. So it's that's actually done less today because now that we have, you know, chemicals and we can get away without doing it, whereas in the past they had to do it. Right. Um, and, but, the, and the chemicals are horrible. They are disturbing the natural cycles that should be. So, I, I, you know, now I'm all fired up about this. <laughs> Shemitah to no, me was- but I, I, think, I think one thing, I have a feeling that it wasn't first the rabbis who let go of it. I think people couldn't do it, the average person. And I think the rabbis were finding ways for somehow people to manage. For instance, in the Mishnah, you see quite a bit that during the Roman period, when people had to pay the Arnona, the yeah. tax to the Romans, they couldn't do it because the Romans did not make space for it. The Romans weren't even making space for Shabbat yet. And certainly they wouldn't. And in some periods, the Romans did and let Jews off in the 70th. But if you have to remember that much of the period, we were conquered by others and we did not have our rights and they couldn't do it. So it wasn't, I don't think it started with the rabbis, oh, I want to let you off. I think people couldn't. And the rabbis tried to find ways to make space for this, for them to manage. So that is... Um, so I think it's, and it's a great thing now that we have Eretz Yisrael again, the reinstitution of Shemitah is, you know, it should, we should be leading the world. That's our job. We are the Mamlecha Kohanim and the Goy Kedosh. We're supposed to teach the world. This is how you treat the world. You treat yeah. the world with respect. And if yeah. not, then we are, we are the same as the generation before the flood. We are Mashrit yeah. Eta'aretz. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. One of the big questions here in Israel now is what can we salvage of it um, that might be more important? For instance, I think that the whole way we run things in terms of food in, in the supermarkets and all in the year of Shemitah should be totally different. Yeah. It should be totally different, which, which you know, when foods are subsidized, far more items should be subsidized this year, for instance. Yeah, yeah. In other words, the price of food should be less. There are a lot of things that people feel we'd like to do to try to bring, again, to get to a similar place. Is, is our focus more, more the land, nature? Is our focus more our fellow man or woman? Yes, or fellow child? Where is the focus in Shemitah? And what should we be doing in order to try to get there, even if it's not in the same way? Yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of us are, are feeling. Okay, maybe we'll do the head to Mechir. We, we have a, 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 a sale of the land because we can't manage. To, but then what are we doing? If we're not doing that, in what way is it Shemitah for us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So I was first introduced, uh, I was first in, wait, I'm okay. I was first introduced to this whole idea just a few years ago, I guess the last Shemitah cycle when I was, uh, and I went on a Tiyul, uh and we were taken to a, you know, a, like a, an olive, an olive oil producing uh, yeshuv. And the young couple that was running it, they were like so fired up about the wonderfulness of, of, of eating shmita produce that it was so, it was like a, it was like a, a spiritual act. It was so, yeah. so full of kedusha. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't shun it. You should, you should pursue it because it's like the most wonderful thing. And I thought, wow, it was like a, my mind turned around completely from yeah. living in America where it's, you know, it, it's every other rabbi saying, oh, you know, 
don't buy the cans that are stamped with this. And <laughs> that's right. And it's very, it's just a lot of details rather than um, rather than this sense of kedusha, which is to remind you that the whole world is really bad, right? Yeah. Before yeah. you make the book, right? Uh, that sense. No, I had great. Uh, it's the first time I really I had I have a little garden here, and I had, I had great pleasure the the last months before Shemitah to to get it to the yeah. way so that it could run it could go on for the next uh, year, and it gave me a tremendous amount of pleasure uh, being able to do that, but. That was that was about nature. It wasn't about feeding the poor, and you know there are different aspects, yeah. and it's about figuring out how we could put all these aspects into some kind of uh, uh, functioning. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, thank you, thank you, and thank you, uh, Evie, for helping us. And uh, really, it makes a very big difference having someone giving a hand and not having to be worrying about the technical details. It's really oh, night so and day. So it really matters. Thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much, Ravanit Gila, uh, for the second class of this session. And thank you also to everyone who joined us today here on Zoom, on Facebook, and on Drisha Live. Uh, we see all of you. Um, we will be live again uh, in a class. Uh, this is, I believe, the third class in the series, uh, The Snake in the Garden with Rabbi Silber. It's happening tomorrow, Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And in addition, you can always find uh, more information about all of our classes here at Drisha, um, uh, class offerings, uh, registration links, everything is on our website, uh, www.drisha.org slash classes. And you can also watch classes live at www.drisha.org slash live. Thank you again uh, for this opportunity to learn with you, Ravanit Gila. And again, thank you so much to everyone who joined us today. We love having you uh, here with us. And we hope to uh, see you at more of our upcoming classes here at Drisha. Lehitraot. Lehitraot. Lehitraot.